Hello, everybody. Just a very quick one about Instagram. If you're on it, Meta, the parent company, is reducing the number of political posts visible to users on their feed. This is a real thing, not a hoax. So go to your Instagram profile, tap the three horizontal lines in the top right corner to open the settings tab, scroll down to what you see, click on content preferences, open political content, and turn on don't limit political content. That's an option. Otherwise, you won't see almost anything we post because we are deemed political. Please do that now or you won't even see the posts about our shows, our fun things. So if you want to see Guilty Feminist content and know when we're coming to a place near you, releasing a new podcast, do it now. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless. Ready to get 30 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20 20, 20 ready to get 20 20, ready to get 15 15, 15 15, just 15 bucks a month. So, give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, Queen Elizabeth Hall. Are you ready for the Guilty Feminist Presents Camp as Christmas? Then please welcome to the stage your host, Deborah Francis White. Good, they were the things on my clipboard. Um, This cape was made by Despicable Daisy. She's made me capes that say Guilty Feminist on the back. She can make you anything that you want. Um, But you you have to pay her, by the way, that's clear. Uh, But she's a massive fan uh, of our cause tonight, and she feels very strongly about it. Tonight, all the proceeds from this show 
are going to the Say It Loud Club run for and by LGBTQ plus refugees. That's right. When people first get to London, if they are LGBTQ plus refugees and they are fleeing specifically homophobic oppression, um, it can be very difficult for any number of reasons. One reason is the Home Office usually open with, can you prove you're gay? Uh, I mean, yes, absolutely. Literally, in some cases, you don't look like a lesbian. And to which the refugee will reply, uh, well, if I look like a lesbian in Uganda, I'm dead. But, but also, what does a lesbian look like? That's not a known quantity, even here. But even more so if you haven't grown up with the iconography and it hasn't been safe to express yourself in that way. So Say It Loud are run, they were started by refugees, they're run by refugees, and they absolutely understand what it's like to turn up in a strange place and have to integrate and sort of turn up and go, well, many people say, well, I don't, can't just turn up at a gay club. Like, what would that be like? What would that feel like? And so... It's community, it's pride, which can be very, very difficult to access if you're from somewhere where it's been criminalised and even with the extent of capital punishment. It's also connections, it's uh, legal help, which we're going to hear more about tonight, um, and all sorts of other logistical help. So it's an amazing, amazing cause. So all the proceeds uh, tonight will go to the Say It Loud Club. None of the comedians are taking a fee. Everything from tonight that we get as the Guilty Feminist goes straight to Say It Loud. And you're only applauding yourselves. It's your money, gang. You're applauding yourselves. Well done, you. Um, you know you can also set up a direct debit. Um, whatever, whatever you do, when wherever you are, um, you can donate. If you go to sayitloud.org, it'll say donate. And you can set up a direct debit if you'd like to. So we'll talk more about that. First, I just wanted to talk a little bit about... The nature of refugees and Christmas, this very special intersection and why I wanted to do this show. And it's partly because I think Christmas is a great time for us to remember about welcoming people. Five years ago, I did a podcast. Uh, we were doing a podcast season with refugees coming on as guests, but they weren't talking about being refugees because refugees often get filtered through their displacement story. And so we said, well, can people come on and just talk about themselves or anything else that they know about? And so we had a refugee on a podcast, and uh, there was something about him that I really liked. And afterwards I said, look, my husband and I are going away, and we need someone to mind our cats. Um, and because I knew he was sofa surfing, and he didn't really have anywhere to stay. He was displaced again, and I just felt like he hadn't... He'd, he'd been an architecture student in Damascus at the sort of Oxbridge of the Middle East, and he had been displaced and living in refugee camps and homeless for five years. So I, I just said, would you like to mind a cat? I said, I love cats. And he came to stay. Um, anyway, long story short, he's never left. And uh, that was five years ago. You know, it became apparent that if he left, the, one of the cats would leave with him. And uh, it, was the, it was the good one. So we ended up saying, look, you know, you should stay. And he's really brought more to our life than we've brought to his by absolute miles. Many of you will know him. His name's Steve Ali. Steve being short for Mustafa. He's from Syria. Anyway, the first Christmas, he'd only been with us a little while. I think he'd been with us for three months. And we said, would you like to come for our family Christmas up north? Um, and he said, yes, I'd really like to. And Steve had never had Christmas before, understandably. Of course not. But he also, there was a lot of embargoes on uh, Western media 
And his family were also very strict about what he could and couldn't watch. So he didn't have any references. We had to explain everything to him. And it was only then that I realized how ridiculous it is. <laughs> like, he was like, so there's, sorry. He came home one day and went, do you know there's a tree inside? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> I thought we could decorate it together. He was like, why? And I was like, because it's, okay. Um, I don't know. Um... <laughs> There were so many things, like, I had to explain to him about Santa, and he was like, so you tell a, you tell, I said, do you have anything like that, you know, like, is there anything where you, similar, you know, in your culture, and he went, what, like a burglar, that you, you tell children, go to sleep, because a man you don't know is going to break in in the night, no, we don't have anything like that, definitely not, why would we, that is a, what is that? A plum pudding that you set on fire. Um, he was like, why are you setting fire to a perfectly good pudding? We were like, we don't, we don't know. We don't. We don't know to have the answers to any of your questions. And then also you have to explain things like, um, this is just our Christmas. So if you go to someone else's house another year, don't expect them to do this because everything's so weird. So when the plum pudding comes out and we've lit fire to the brandy... In our family, we sing, happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday, dear Jesus, happy birthday to you. <laughs> and I was just like, can you imagine if one year he ends up at his mate's house and he's like, starts like, happy birthday to you. I was like, no, that's just us. And then he turned to me and he said, when, so when's Jesus' birthday? And I went, today. That's what Christmas is. He went, oh, I get it now. Um, but it's not clear, isn't it, from the Santas and the trees? Nothing about this says Jesus' birthday, really. It's not what Jesus would have wanted. So, anyway, he, Steve really got into the spirit, and he absolutely loved it. And he was like, so next year, I came home, and he had got the tree. He'd bought the tree, and he'd started decorating it. And it was really, really lovely. And I said to him, Steve, just so you know, this year I've given our flat to refugees at home because we're going up north. And you can do that. If you don't know, you can contact refugees at home and say, we're going away. It could be for two days, could be for a week, could be for two weeks. And they will organize refugees who are all, you know, within their system. And he said, well, who is this person coming in? I don't know them. And I went, no, but they're from refugees at home. He was like, all right, all right. Well, I'd like to know who it is. And I said, oh, okay, I've just opened the email. He's a model. I think we found a refugee more good-looking than you, Steve. And he went, show me. <laughs> what? And he went, well, he's probably not very clever. And I went, it says here he's a lawyer. And he went, well, his English probably isn't very good. And I said, this is true. I said, it, said here, um, it says here he's actually translated a book of Sylvia Plath letters <laughs> from English into Kurdish. He was like, I don't like the guy. Anyway, Ari turns up and he comes the night before we leave to, so we can show him around. And we're going off to a Grace Petrie concert. Just give us a cheer if you know Grace Petrie. <laughs> if you don't know her, you've got to look her up. She's absolutely fantastic. She'd be here tonight if she didn't have something else on because we just work with her all the time. She's amazing. And so I, I, was, I was on the bill. So I said, you know, do you mind coming to the show? It's called Proper Lefty Christmas. Because Grace's audience is very queer, you know, I thought, oh, he might enjoy it. So along he came. And we walked in, and Ari, you have to understand that Ari left because he was going to be killed. Ari's a gay man. It came out he was a gay man. He was going to be killed. And he left his life as a lawyer and a translator of Sylvia Plath poems and a part-time model, and he ran. And he had been on the run for years. And the night before he came to stay with us, he'd been sleeping in Ruffle Waterloo Station. 
which gives you context for people's lives. And by the way, refugees don't all have to be good-looking, Sylvia Plath. You know, people are from different walks of life. If you take any thousand people in London right now at random and put them in boats off the coast of Dover, that's who refugees are. It's the CEO of the bank. It's the person who cleans the floors. It's the librarian with unrequited love. I don't know why I think librarians have unrequited love. If you're a librarian, I'm so sorry. You're probably having way more sex than me. I don't know why I would think that. But, you know, it's everybody. That's what you have to understand. It's everybody. It's everybody. People always think, like, do you not think bomb... I can't stand it when I hear Suella Braverman, Pretty Patel. I'm like, do you not think bombs fall on rich people? Like, people, they fall on everybody. Like, it's just... It's this assumption that people are desperate to get to our amazing country. I mean, they're fixing that, aren't they? Um, <laughs> they are. They make it so undesirable that no one would want to come here. It's disastrous. Um... But Ari had run away from an incredible life, and he was terrified. And uh, he was finally in safety in the UK. But I took him that night to this concert. And, you know, it was in, like, Shepherd's Bush in a big sort of, you know, all beer and, you know, fun and sawdust on the floor. And this lesbian punk band came out, and they were singing, um, I want to kiss you in the street where everyone can see. And they were kind of jumping up and down, um, headbanging. And he just looked at me and he went, are they allowed to sing this in public? And I went, yeah. And it dawned on me that he knew it was legal here. He knew you wouldn't get arrested for it. But he didn't, it never occurred to him you were allowed to publicly celebrate it. And he kept like looking at the door like the police were going to come in. Which, you know, in a few decades ago in this country, that would have happened. But he said, I can't believe they're allowed to sing this. I said, well, they're still singing it in quite an angry way, which should tell you it's not fully resolved. <laughs> but... <laughs> But it was, it was incredible. It was an incredible experience. And that night we went home and Steve said, um, I've made Aria stocking. And I said, that's really nice. He said, well, at my first Christmas, I got a stocking. And to be honest, Steve's first Christmas, three people made him stockings. And he thought, I said, it's not always going to be like this, just to be clear. He thought there were like three Santas for a while, like a trinity of Santas. I was like, no, we just, we went a bit overboard. But he said, I've made Aria stocking. Because he said, my first Christmas here, people made me feel really welcome. And that's a hallmark of the UK to me. And he said, I want to make sure Ari feels special and welcome. And so he brought it out. And he said, this is what I've bought. Um, he said, I've got this stocking. And I looked at it and I said, Steve, that's a stocking for a cat. <laughs> he went, what? Why are there stockings for cats? That's ridiculous. I went, I don't know. It's an eccentricity of this country. Many people in this country like cats more than refugees, honestly. That's, it's very strange. I don't know why. I said, it's fine, you'll get away with it. He won't know. Uh, it's fine. And he said, and he'd put some things inside, you know, little chocolates and socks and things like that that you put in stockings. And then he went, here's the three main things for the stocking. I've bought him a globe, like a globe of the world, because I want him to know that the world is his oyster. And then he brought out an oyster card. He said, I've brought him a, a, a topped-up oyster card so he knows that the oyster is his London. <laughs> and then he said, and I've got him a jar of Marmite because he needs to know the worst excesses <laughs> of integrating right now. <laughs> and that moment, that pay-it-forward moment of the ripple of we'll include you and you will immediately feel empowered and resourced to include someone else made me want to do the show because I wanted everyone here to know 
the huge impact that any small act of kindness to someone who's been displaced, and especially someone who's been displaced not because of misfortune or war or famine or something that's happening to everyone, but the time and place and experience of being displaced because of who you are, in many cases by your own government, by people around you who love you, that's something. And so for someone else to say, you're welcome in our community, you're welcome at our Christmas, you're welcome here, it means everything, everything. It could be one tiny thing. But I ask you, as a community, I know many people here tonight, you've come for Campus Christmas, will be LGBTQ+, or strong allies with people who are LGBTQ+, in your family. Try and get involved with the Say It Loud Club, because one tiny act like that, one topped-up Oyster card, one smile, one, let's, I'll take you for a cup of tea, I know a great gay bar, I'd love to take you there, will mean everything. And forever, you will be in that person's story. You will, you will never not, that person will be on their deathbed and you will be such an important part of their story. And so as we come together tonight, I ask you not just to think about the great comedy and the drag and all the wonderful things you're going to be seeing, but what tiny, lovely, small act you could do that could create a ripple in our community here in London that could change anything and possibly everything. And now, please welcome to the stage the incredible Tom Allen! Hi! Tom Allen! Hi, everybody! Uh, not to be unkind there, Deb, not to be unkind there, but you just did 35 minutes longer than you should have done. No, I didn't. No offence, no offence, but it's New Year, everybody, now, so... <laughs> I, was meant to do tw- I thought I was meant to do 20 minutes. You were supposed minutes. to bring me on at 7.40. It's quarter past eight. Don't worry no. about it. Don't worry That's about it. That's not true, is it? We're not in a rush. It's quarter past eight, yeah. Oh, God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Don't worry about it. I've become one of the Scottish widows. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Tom. Don't but, worry. We've but, been having a lovely time back there. We've um, been having a great old time. Uh, a gay old time, you might say. Tom, though, we, we have lost two acts tonight, so I was making well, up yeah, the time. Well, yeah, yeah, of old age, I think. <laughs> Tom, would you like me just to leave you here to talk about me? No, Deb, no. If, if you're not here, then it's bullying. But if you're here... <laughs> Can I ask you, Tom, about your family Christmas? Do you, do you have Christmas traditions that are eccentric? Uh, no. Um, although, what I love to do before Christmas, and I yeah. did it today as well, actually, I bleach the bathroom. Uh, is, that a, is that a Tom Allen thing? Yeah, I actually still... I smell like either a swimming pool or sort of slightly like poppers. And... Because um, <laughs> I use this spray mm. that's got bleach in it. I didn't realise until afterwards. And it made the whole, the whole bathroom smell like a, a swimming pool. So I've cleaned the bathroom, I've buffed the taps, and I've changed my bed sheets, which is the main reason I want you to hurry up, because I'm very keen to get back into them. <laughs> but, no, no, I'm very excited to be here. We, um, we, go on, on, you want to no, say no. something else? No, Can on. I just ask? It, no. <laughs> I just wanted to ask you some questions to lie the land. Tom Selinsky, who you may know, yes. uh, said to me about 20 minutes ago, we went up late and Deb's already overrunning. Can you be quick and not say too much when you go out there? Don't but I love how you've got a, a, a whole market research project. <laughs> Don't listen to the patriarchy out the back. We're here to have a good time. Sure. Don't, sure. We're not taking our orders from straight white men tonight. No, you're right. You're right. You're right. We might have to, if, they, if, they stop, if there's no more trains or tubes to... <laughs> 
might, a little did bit. You, did you believe in Santa when you were a child? I believed in him, but did he believe in himself? That's what I was always so worried about. <laughs> so underconfident. I'm like, you're so great. You're a wonderful person. Did you... Do you remember a time, and I don't know, just give us a cheer if you still believe in Santa? No, r- but really, just give us a cheer if you really believe in Santa? Okay. Who is Santa Claus married to? Is it Santa Barbara? Hey! What was your question? <laughs> do you have any memory of sort of shifting between belief and less belief? Uh, yes, I do. I remember we went to see Santa, or Father Christmas, actually, as we called him, because and we're not American. And we Some went, of us are. We went to... Sorry, other Americans. Here. Just no give us a cheer for your no American. No offence. Thank you. Uh, cheers. Loud cheers. Santa Claus. There you go. Santa Claus. You'd say Santa Claus. Father Christmas. We went to see Father Christmas at Alder's department store in Bromley. And the uh, guys, any uh, Alder's fans in? What happened to Alder's? It was great, wasn't it? Slightly too crammed, full of jumpers. But when, remember, and they said, if you believe, you'll put an ornament from your Christmas tree in your, in your bedroom window. Mm. And I did that. And, um, and then I felt like maybe I was slightly too old. Oh. I was 12 at the time. I was like, <laughs> See, I think that kind of magical belief is wonderful. And I, think, and I think the fact that you've believed enough to wear one of Despicable Daisy's capes tonight. Which are available um, in a silent auction, I think. Is, is that what's happening? Silent auction, yeah. Silent auction out the back. Yeah, outside yeah. in the interval. And can I ask you, were you ever in a nativity show? Well, I was. And what did you play? The narrator. <laughs> and let me, because of my beautiful voice, and I do have a tendency to speak quite fast... And when I get nervous, and of course I did get more nervous than I realised, mm. and that little donkey, mm. which was basically two boys in brown t-shirts with a tablecloth on their head, it arrived in Bethlehem so fast. It was like it was on the goddamn Eurostar. <laughs> um, Tom Allen, it's... it's actually quite warm with a hood on. Yeah. We're going to be seeing a lot more of you tonight. Well, don't say it like that. <laughs> Put people off. Um, <laughs> everyone wants more of Tom Allen, don't they? You've got to say that now. No. Well, yeah, we've got to bring on our first act, Deb, because back. otherwise we will be told off. The other acts are in the green room out the back getting absolutely pissed. Okay. All right. In that case... Uh, our first act, you've probably seen him on Live at the Apollo. Mm. You'll have seen him in lots of television things. Roast we... Battle, of course. He was on with Roast me, Battle. of course. Did very well on TikTok. Somebody shared it. I don't know who. If you could... <laughs> was it you? No, it wasn't okay. me. I, uh, I put up one TikTok video and then it didn't do very well. And so I thought, oh, forget it. <laughs> you don't need TikTok. Don't, You're don't on the proper telly. It. Oh, well, that's nice of you to say. Um, have you got a book out be, at the moment? I've got Tom? a book. I don't like to go on about it, but I've got a book out at the moment, okay? It's called Too Much. Um, get it from all, all good book uh, Too much. I feel you're not enough, Tom. Oh, I could get more and more dear. and more of you. That, if only I'd had that as a quote to put on the front. Um, but I didn't. So, um, but thank you. Thank you for saying it. Now, but, uh, yes. our, next, our first act? First act. Mm. Just an hour into the show. And... <laughs> I don't think anyone's noticed, and I think that's the main thing. I think no, we've really got away with it. No, no, um, they like it. <laughs> our first act is an incredible comedian. He's going to be at the Leicester Square Theatre quite soon, so oh, get your tickets now. Um, put your hands together and make incredible guilty feminist campus Christmas welcoming noises for the wonderful Larry Dean! <laughs> 
<laughs> Thank you very much. Hello, London. Hello, nice to meet you. I'm Larry. As you can probably tell, I'm not from London. You can probably tell from my face, to be honest, man. I've got a very Glasgow look about me. Especially my eyes. My eyes make supermarket security guards go, hmm, I'm going to be busy today. It's handy look like this, though. I've never been asked to look after somebody's bag on public transport. But I do love coming down to London. And, uh, I do like England. It's very nice. And uh, I'm doing your accent now. Hello, everybody. Um, Jesus. Um, and I love the English accent. The rhythm of it is my favourite. Because I've noticed if you want to do a southern English accent, you have to sound as if you're walking down the stairs. <laughs> And when you get to the bottom, you realise it's actually a bit better upstairs. I'm just practising the accent, just in case Scotland go into... Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> I'm practising the accent, though, just in case Scotland go independent and I need to work down here. That's going to get me past the border patrol, just driving up, going, all right, mate, just going home. See you later. Cheers. Because I don't know how I feel about Scotland maybe going independent. Because I'm thinking, there'll be a few things that will annoy me. The arguments were so weird. Like, oh, Scotland, if you leave the UK, you're not going to be able to use the pound anymore. And we were like, oh my God, what would we do with all our shopping trolleys? <laughs> and the thing that I thought is if Scotland leave the UK, we'd have to get rid of the Union Jack flag. That'd be a disaster. Nobody's going to know which pub is racist anymore. <laughs> yeah, you're probably the same as me at the moment, man. With the UK, the way it is, you're like, right, I'm going to move. I'm going to fucking move, man. I love to America got a cheer. When America was mentioned earlier in the show, and I heard people going, woo, yeah, fuck. I love America. I absolutely love it. They're just so positive. And happy, it's so weird. British people get freaked out by that, by the way. Because if you ask an American something like, who's your hero, they've got an answer for it. And if you say to an American, who's your hero, they're usually nine times out of 10, an American will be like, my hero, my dad. My dad looked after my family. He, of course, is my hero. Can you imagine somebody from Britain telling you that their dad was their hero? You'd phone social services. Not one bit of you would want to meet their dad. You'd be like, he sounds like a murderer, man. That's like a freak. But yeah, I've, uh, I don't know about moving though, just because I've only just got into a, a relationship. Uh, me and my, my boyfriend, uh, well, oh yeah, my boyfriend, uh, he, he's gay, I'm not. Um, <laughs> hope mum and dad are listening. Um, <laughs> it's, it's weird though, man, because like, uh, since I've started going out with him, I'd, I met him because he's one of, he was one of my best friends before we started going out. So it's weird going out with one of my best mates. So happy with it, right? Genuinely chuffed because it meant I didn't have to go on dates. I was so bad on dates. I was weird, man. Like, I try way too hard to make them laugh. 
And also, I'm quite intense looking. <laughs> which made looking at them over the bar, you know when you're supposed to do that, oh, oh, hi, yeah. And I'd just be gliding up to them. But... <laughs> Would you care for dinner one evening? <laughs> Especially, I mean, Glasgow gay bars, I found difficult to chat people up, mainly because they're quite intimidating. If you go to a gay bar in Glasgow and you drop your phone, you're just going to have to kick it home. <laughs> if you don't get that joke, you probably don't want to get that joke. <laughs> Because on dating apps, you have to, like, first of all, figure out if you like someone. Then you go on the date. Then you think, oh, I hope they like me. And, uh, but most relationships are the same anyway, gay or straight. Every relationship, there's always one of you that's changing aspects of your personality in order to keep the other one around. And then you've got the other person who has no idea <laughs> that this is going on. Gonna leave that to you to figure out which one you are. It's true, right? Come on, we've all been walking through a farmer's market with our partner going, oh God, I miss cocaine. His name's, uh, his name's Mikey, he's a lovely guy, man, my boyfriend, he's so nice. He's, uh, he's, a bit, he's, he's weird, right? I'm weird as well. I mean, I think it's because I've got ADHD. Uh, I was diagnosed this year via Facebook status. Uh, <laughs> ADHD or OCD, maybe I'm just dyslexic. Uh, all I know is I've got a free laptop. Um, Actually, my ex said to me that I should get an autism test, and I know, he was like, you should get an autism test. I was like, an autism test? I was like, no, I'm going to get two autism tests, because I like even numbers, remember? <laughs> I probably should get the test. I can't afford it, though. That's the, that's the problem. Also, I've, I've done the TikTok test, so that probably counts. If you've not seen these, I swear I'm not making this up, but on TikTok... There is people dancing next to symptoms of serious conditions. And you have to decide if you've got it in 60 seconds. It's so weird, they're just like, and the symptoms are the vaguest thing. They'll be like, hey, do you find it difficult to concentrate whenever you're bored? Do you hate Mondays? Do you watch your favourite TV show more than once? Ding. You've got liver failure. <laughs> I don't know if I... I don't know, I'll do the test at some point. I've, I've already got enough on my plate, though. I've already got LGBT. <laughs> I don't want to be riddled. <laughs> what are you, Larry? I'm ADHD LGBT. So I identify as an eye exam.
<laughs> Folks, uh, I've got a shoot, but you've been absolutely lovely. If you want to see me again, I'm doing a show at Leicester Square Theatre uh, in a few months, uh, I think. Uh, my agent keeps saying, you've got to publicise yourself more. And I'm like, yes, but I'm talking about bombing on stage. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> it's really just weird just going, oh yeah, bomb this guy. Anyway, come and see me again. Um, anyway, it's gay conversion. That's what I do. I'm not even a comedian. Lock the doors. I'm going to convert them now. Um, <laughs> And uh, welcome to the homosexual community, my friends. Uh, the exit is there, but you can now use it as an entrance. <laughs> uh, folks. folks, you've been absolutely lovely. Uh, I've been Larry Dean. Enjoy the rest of your show. Take care. Thank you. Good night. Cheers. Larry Dean, everybody! Wasn't he great? Wasn't he incredible? Uh, wonderful. Are you wonderful, going to Larry. see him at the Leicester Square Theatre? Will I? Yeah. Um, I might do. Yes, yeah. I might do. Yeah, are you going to go? Yeah, we'll go together. Let's and go together, we okay. We can all go together. Okay, yeah, oh. that would be lovely. Yeah. Now, let's go now. Come on, everybody, let's go. Um, now, have you ever done... The next, the next act is a reading. Yes. Lots of readings at Christmas in church. Of did course. you ever do a Bible reading? Um, I did get asked to do a, a Bible reading in my local church recently. Um, oh, recently? Uh, I thought I meant as a kid. Recently. No, no, I'm very much a local figure. And <laughs> I got asked to do um, a reading at the instalment of the vicar, and the mayor was there. Oh, name dropper. Yeah, clang. The mayor, and, the mayor um, of London, Sadiq Khan. No, no, the mayor of Bromley. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, yeah, not such a name. And okay. he got up to um, say something, but he managed to stand with his back to the microphone, which is quite an unusual way of using a microphone. <laughs> and then he um, turned round and walked into a candle. <laughs> Which was very worrying, considering all his vestment. Not, what are they, you know, yeah. robes and things. Mm, mm. So, Sounds like an episode of The Vicar, Vicar of Dibley. It could have been say, something like that. Did they that, say, yeah. and now Tom Allen, and you had to come out and read Matthew 12? Um, <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah, actually, yeah, they did. But I didn't know where to... I had to go up to the... I didn't know where I had to go. Obviously, I wanted to go to the pulpit, but it was just the lectern. <laughs> Disappointing just for everyone. Just the small lectern, yeah. Well, listen, the next I week... love high ceremony. I love formality. What can I say? I think I'd be a good vicar. <laughs> like, free house. <laughs> Dress up. <laughs> I think you've, you've managed to pull that off without being a vicar. I mean, look at um, you and look at where you are and what you're doing. Let's be incredibly honest. Well, you'd like to have a plan B. <laughs> <laughs> Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. 
This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com well, Listen, our next act is not a Bible reading. Uh... But it is a reading, it's a campus Christmas reading. So please, welcome to the stage, an incredible man, and you may know him from the Talk Art podcast. He also runs the Carl Friedman Gallery. That's Rob Diamond. And with him is the wonderful trans activist, who you also may know from uh, all over the internet, the wonderful Becoming Jude. There are so many wonderful icons who inspire young queer people growing up at Christmas. Often before we are out to our families, before we even understand ourselves, something about their work speaks to us. And it's such a magical time of year. When we think about family, love, generosity and peace, we thought it would be appropriate to read an extract from the autobiographies of two of the greatest music icons of all time, both people who've inspired us. I will be reading from Mariah Curry's autobiography. (laughs) The Meaning of Mariah Curry. (laughs) By Mariah Curry. And I will be reading from the autobiography of Justin Bieber. First Step to Forever, My Story, by Justin Bieber. Not every Christmas was ruined by my family. My mother was culturally open when I was young and had a diverse group of friends. I remember I had a friend, let's call her Ashley, whose mother was gay. Ashley had no clue. My mother was very matter-of-fact. Ashley's mom is gay, and she lives with her partner. No big deal. And it really wasn't. Two of my favorite people were my gunkles. Gay uncles? Bert and Myron. They were wonderful, and so was their home. Wild raspberries grew in the backyard, And they had a golden Labrador named Sparkle. (laughs) Bert was a school teacher and photographer. And Myron was, as he put it, a stay-at-home wife. Myron was a vision. He wore a perfectly coiffed beard and his hair was always blown out in cascading layers which he would finish off with a shimmering, frosting spray. He was perpetually tanned and sashayed around the house in spectacular, multicolored silk caftans. Bert would bring me out into their yard to take photos of me. 
I just adored showing off in front of a camera anytime I could, and he totally encouraged my exaggerated poses. He fully supported and understood my propensity for extraness. Christmas 2007. <laughs> this is actually really from the books. This is, this is really real. Christmas 2007. We spent Christmas 2007 at Grandpa and Grandma's like always. New Year's Eve, we sat there wondering what 2008 would bring. I think you should do that with you, Scooter, my talent manager, told me. That thing is right on fire right now, and I know you can murder it. I thought that was a great idea, and I couldn't wait for Mum to video it. Unfortunately, I just got the ugliest haircut of my life the day before. My trademark swoosh had been hacked off into this squarish situation that kind of reminded me of Bart Simpson, which was appropriate because Mum shot the whole thing with my poster of Bart Simpson on the wall behind me, except the shot is framed so you just, you're just looking at Bart Simpson's crotch. A few minutes into it, I get up and you can see my two-pack poster, and I guess that pretty much sums up my whole personality. Bart Simpson and Tupac. Ha-ha! I don't mind saying Scooter was right. I really did murder that thing. That was all I cared about. I thought I'd nailed the song. I couldn't wait for him to see it. He was at the Grammys when Mum sent it to him and he loved the song. But the look, well, not so much. I distinctly remember... One Christmas photo sessions that my gunkles and I staged. I was dressed up in a green dress with flowers and a special Christmas miracle. I had decent looking bangs. <laughs> I pretended to be placing an ornament on the tree as I coyly looked back over my shoulder and Bert snapped the picture. Fashion, feature, festive. <laughs> My gunkles supported the showgirl in me. Whenever I wanted to put on my own little production, which was frequently, they would pay full attention to me. They never tried to tame my over-the-top imagination. It was from my little girl spirit and those early fantasies of family and friendship that I wrote, all I want for Christmas is you. Think how it begins. <laughs> Even if I say so myself, the delicate chimes are reminiscent of those little wooden toy pianos, like the ones Schroeder had on Peanuts. So Scooter sent Mum a text message. The video is really good, but let's shoot it again when his hair grows back. But the text got cut off. All Mum got was, this is really good. So she loaded it up onto YouTube. By the time Scooter called, 
to tell her to take it down, it had gotten more than 25,000 hits. Wow, he said. Well, let's see what happens. And in less than a month, that great song with the bad hair had one million hits. Now these days, they all hit a million almost immediately. But that first one, that was incredibly thrilling. I actually did bang out most of All I Want for Christmas on a cheap little Casio keyboard. When I wrote it at 22 years old, I wasn't even that far away from being a child. (laughs) I recorded an entire Christmas album, which was a risk. You you didn't just see Christmas videos on MTV back then. In fact, it was almost unheard of for anyone, let alone such a young singer, so early in her career to write and record an original Christmas song, and it was a legit smash hit. Christmas 2009. To summarise this whole broken foot situation, it sucked. For one thing, it really hurt. For another thing, I was slated to perform at Christmas in Washington 2009, along with Usher, Mary J. Blige, Neil Diamond, and a lot of other amazing performers. The night of performances were in Washington, and I'll admit it, I was a bit nervous. It was a huge honor, and I wasn't keen on the idea of getting up in front of President Obama and the massive television audience in my stormtrooper boots. I'm taking off the aircast boot, I told my mum and Scooter. They both said, no, you're not. Okay, I said. (laughs) Though I was accessing the private dream world of my childhood, in All I Want for Christmas is You, I wasn't in the happiest place when I wrote it. My relationship with Tommy Mottola, who would eventually become my first husband, and so much more, was already getting weird. And we weren't even married yet. But to his credit, as the head of my record label, he encouraged me to make my first Christmas album, Merry Christmas. As soon as they walked out of the dressing room, I took off the aircast boot and pulled my shoe out of my backpack. It felt a little strange at first, but I wasn't even thinking about it when I stepped out in front of president, the president and the first lady. I sang the great old Stevie Wonder song, Someday at Christmas, then went back into the dressing room and quickly put on the aircast on before mum could get to me. How about this for the greatest dodge of all time? Sorry, Mum, can't talk now. Chilling with Mary J. Blige and Mrs. Obama. I live Christmas to Christmas. (laughs) Festive moment to festive moment. Celebration to celebration. Never counting my birthdays or ages. 
much to the chagrin of certain people. Even with all that going on, Mum and I made sure that we were back in Stratford, Stratford, US, by the way, at Christmas, ready to play the gift exchange game and snarf down plenty of grandma's turkey and gravy. Some things never change. When I wrote, all I want for Christmas is you, I was really going for vintage Christmas happiness. I also believe that somewhere inside, deep inside, I knew it was just too late to give my brother and sister peace and my mother her wonderful life, but I could possibly give the world a Christmas classic instead. That was the Christmas where I met that girl and made out with her furiously for several days straight. <laughs> and we went on to have the most romantic relationship in the history of man. <laughs> Wait, that did not happen. But I did have fun just pranking you right there while you sat excitedly in your room reading about it. <laughs> Sorry, I had to have a little fun. And all, all we, we want, want for Christmas, Christmas is you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Rob Diamond and Becoming Tune, everybody! Fabulous. Oh. oh, I love literature. I'm, I ah. Love eyebrow literature. Why does anyone bother with Bible readings when that is I, available? Yeah. The Book of Mariah, the Book of Bieber. These are phenomenal Absolutely. passages. Especially here at the South Bank Centre, Melvin Bragg, I'm sure, would have approved <laughs> of yeah. such a highbrow text. I actually had to find the text. It was quite an afternoon. I'll tell you that for nothing. Mm, I bet um, it was. I bet it was. <laughs> now, Tom Allen, we yes. have something else to talk about, and it's Block 13. So, yes. say it loud. They are assisting and supporting refugees who've managed to get to the UK, but there are some refugees that haven't managed to get anywhere safe yet, and there are some refugees who've left Uganda, they've got as far as Kenya, where being gay is still illegal, but not quite as illegal, and they are in a refugee camp, a UN refugee camp, there's about 65,000 people in it, and in that, the, uh, some refugees have come out, and they have all joined together in Block 13 as a sort of solidarity, safety in numbers style move except it's not safe because people know then that's where lgbtq people are and sometimes uh, they set it on fire or they hurt people someone's been killed it's been a really really difficult time lately there's been a lot of unrest there and some really tough stuff's happened so um i want to show you this video because do you know how i know them about about them tom uh i mean i do but we should say for the okay, people sure. here um <laughs> So someone in Sydney, that was more like a double act moment of like, how, Deborah? Um, <laughs> I could have just done yeah, that, yeah. couldn't I? Yeah, I'll do I'm it. Should I throw it to you I'm just keep worrying about your cloak. I don't want you to be like Madonna. <laughs> it was so nearly a Madonna moment as Tom came up behind me on the stairs and I was sort of like... Ugh! Just be careful. Oh, yeah, Sorry, no, I, I, no, it's all right. I don't say it like that. It sounds like I'm aged. No, I didn't mean it like Just be careful, Gran. Just be careful, all right. Yeah, okay. No, no, I just... Uh, I'll throw it to you again. Do you know how I know Block 13? Yes. No, okay. I mean, 
was meant, you meant to say how. How, how I mean, how. <laughs> he's a, you know, he's a, he's a famous television presenter. Um, how, you may ask? Well, um, we were doing a show in Sydney, uh, the recent tour in the summer, and we were there, not there winter, and uh, someone called Chris McAllister was in the audience, and they came forward and said they were supporting, they've got a, a group there called Queers of Joy, they do drag and all sorts of stuff, and uh, Chris was saying that they were supporting Block 13 and they wanted us to know about it, so we got involved, raised some money for them, and uh, just uh, they've sent us videos since, and we'd love to show you this video because we'd love you to support Block 13 as well. So could we hit the video that they made us? And we'll go to one side. A girl should be two things, who and what she wants. Feminism isn't about making women strong. Women are already strong. It's about changing the way the world perceives that strength. We are proud of what seems so simply clear, is that feminism is a way to fight for justice always in a short supply. The emerging woman will be strong-minded, strong-hearted, and strong-bodied. Strength and beauty must go together. They will tell us you are too loud, that you need to wait your turn and ask for the right people for permission. I raise up my voice so that I can shout, but so that those without a voice can be heard. We cannot all succeed when half of us are held back. Gender intersects with race, class, and sexuality. But today's influential female voices, like the guilty feminists, give us hope that we are headed in the right direction. We are overcoming everything that was meant to destroy us. We're doing an episode of The Guilty Feminist with Block 13. We hope maybe even we can visit them. The UN know about them, obviously. Amnesty International know about them. The EU know about them. Everyone really agrees that they need to be got out for their own safety. But of course, these things are very, very slow. So in the meantime, we need to raise some money for them, Tom. Great. Um, so will you say that? How much are you going to give me? Well, how, He's how, how, much do you, how much do you want? I don't know. What do you make in a year? About half that. I'll tell you what, you know Despicable Daisy tonight is making cloaks. She made me this cloak, okay? This cloak has been around the world with me. It's toured around the world, it's toured around the UK. It actually played the Royal Albert Hall, not alone, I was in it. And it's got my DNA all over it, and I thought maybe it's time to auction it off for Block 13. So I wondered if we could auction this one live. Um, so, would anybody give me... And by me, I do mean block 13. A mm. uh, <laughs> hundred pounds for this cloak. Someone just said 300. That's good, because Tom Selinski's worried we're running out of time. So I've heard 300. Do I hear 350? Perfect, perfect. Yes, 350. Do I hear 400? 500! Oh, Come on! Beautiful. beautiful. Really extends out. Look, look. Uh, so I heard 500... 500? 550? 550! Come on! Do I hear 600? Yes! Do I hear 700? Yes! Do I hear 800? 
All the money going to those amazing people. There are about 50 or 60 people in Block 13 who are LGBTQ+. And this will really, really help them. And they will absolutely love this. We'll send them the audio of it as well. Can we get it up to 1,000? Yes! Come on! A thousand, can we, can we, can we get up to 1,100? Going once, going twice, going three times at a thousand pounds! Just checking, I thought I heard something. Beautiful, it's really right. beautiful. What, can I, can I get you to come down the front so we can take your details in the interval? That's a thousand pounds. They are just going to be, Block 13 won't believe it. Wonderful. They won't believe it because what they'll be able to buy with that, you've got no idea. Last time we raised some money for them, they immediately went out and bought sanitary pads and tampons and stuff, which they said was such a luxury. They're the most gorgeous, resilient, incredible human beings. Like they're just amazing. And they're in a situation we can't even imagine. So I thank you so much. This has made me really feel tearful that that's gone for a thousand pounds. It's been really amazing. Um, it's time for the interval. Thank you so much. You've been an incredible audience. We will see you in 15 minutes. We've got to get these out. We've got to get these round the other side now. So that was the first half. Join us for part two, which should be in your feed right now. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com